You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 32. Today, we are talking to turkey call maker Drew Abel from Foot on the Head. We're going to talk about their company, what they stand for, and we're also going to talk a little bit about why we like to chase these crazy birds around the wood. So stay tuned. This is going to be a good episode. Alright guys, thank you for tuning in to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, I'm pretty jacked up about today because, um, man, this conversation that I had with Drew Abel of Foot on the Head was was pretty awesome. Now, Drew is a Alabama native. He lives in North Alabama, hunts birds in North Alabama and, and pretty much all over the state and the southeast. And this guy is uh, just a really cool dude. Um, if you know anything about Foot on the Head... Uh, they make a really awesome calls. They uh, and I, I I couldn't say enough good things. They they're very they pay attention to detail with everything in in the calls, and so uh, we're really excited uh, to to be partnering with them on this episode. Now, here's the thing: if you follow us on social media, on Facebook at Southern Ground Hunting, you know that we are doing some big giveaways throughout this season throughout the whole season so um, we started last week we gave away a Woodhaven legend glass call that is freaking awesome it was great um, and and this week we are giving away um, a, a pack from t3 game calls so basically here's how it works if you're not following us on Facebook first off go do that and, um, and you, you can see there how to win but basically, we are partnering with several different companies. Uh, like I said, Woodhaven, T3 Game Calls, Foot on the Head, Hunter's Addiction, Appalachian Game Calls, Kyle's Custom Calls, and Swamp Boys. And I think that's it. And we're partnering with these guys throughout this whole turkey season. We're giving away their stuff every single week. We're calling it the Gobble, Gobble Butt Giveaway. And we're giving away calls every single week during turkey season, probably through May maybe mid-May. So uh, I know for us here in Alabama, our turkey season ends on April the 30th, I believe, or 31st. And so if you win a call in May, you'll have to wait until next year to use it unless you're hunting other states. But, um, man, we're just super grateful for all these companies um, sending us sending us gear to give to you guys. I know uh, a lot of people are going to be uh, very happy uh, when they win. So, um, like I said, go on to Facebook uh, at Southern Ground Hunting and check that out it's all through facebook all of these um, giveaways are going to be through the facebook page it's the gobble butt giveaway and uh, i've had a couple people ask me why i called it gobble gobble butt um i really don't know i don't have i don't have a good explanation for that other than uh if you listen to the last episode with adam cruz we were talking about you know just turkey hunting and how frustrating it can be and i said it's it's kind of like the the most frustrating sport but also the most satisfying sport because the majority of the time the birds do not do what you want them to do it almost seems like they're running away from your calling 
and, uh, and and it's just frustrating. So I was trying to think of a, of a word that I could accurately describe my feelings towards turkeys and gobble butt is just kind of the first one that I came up with. So um, go check that out. We're doing those giveaways with those awesome companies. Now, next week, uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out, this will come out on Friday. And um, and tomorrow we'll be announcing the, the winner of the T3. It's like uh, a pot call. Two or three, I think it's three different uh, diaphragm calls and a T3 custom custom calls hat. Um, so if you're listening to this on Friday when it comes out, then you still have time to enter in for that. But next week, we are going to be giving away uh, some really cool stuff from Foot on the Head. And in this episode, Drew talks about the, the package that he's given away, and it all sounds super stinking cool. So um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm trying to think. So... Uh, I've had a pretty good, pretty good day today. I'm kind of taking it easy and, and relaxing, and I'm not going out in the woods because yesterday I killed my first bird of the season on public land, and uh, man, <laughs> we may have to do a full episode about that because it was the most intense turkey hunt I have ever been on. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on it, but um, there it is. It is on video. And uh, I'm working on editing that video right now, and it was just it was just intense. And as you guys know, I kayak to, to my spots, and um, so this was the first legitimate blood that I've been able to get on the new canoe, my new new canoe. And uh, I, I was so excited. He was a good bird, probably a two year old bird. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty intense, and uh, I was able to call him away. Him and his hen came up the ridge looking for me and uh i was able to actually call him away from her she left called him away from her and uh and shot him it was it was cool it was probably about 45 minutes um from the time i first heard him till the time i killed him and it was 30 minutes 27 minutes of me freehand holding my gun up in an awkward position and my legs cramping because i was i was watching him and i couldn't move and uh, so it, the video is going to be really good. I think you guys are going to enjoy that. That's going to be on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. So make sure you go and subscribe to that channel. There's a lot of cool hunting content. We've already put a couple turkey videos up. Uh, but this is going to be our first kill video that will be on the channel for this year. Um, as always, we want to give a huge shout out to our partners at OnX Maps, at Tethered, at New Breed, and at Go Wild. So if you are not familiar with Go Wild, I'm going to urge you guys to check it out. Go Wild is a fairly new uh, social media application on your smartphone, um, iPad, whatever. And it is, think of Instagram, but for outdoorsmen. You can see all kinds of content from fishing, hunting, hiking, cooking. Anything you can think of in the outdoors is on Go Wild and you can just basically go and check out the content that you want to see. So there's all kinds of different categories and you can follow those categories and see people all over the country posting about the things that you and I both love and enjoy. So go and check out Go Wild. Go download it on the App Store and uh, I think you will not be disappointed. It's a great application. I spent a lot of time on it. I actually waste probably more time on it just daydreaming and looking at other people's stuff. But that's okay because that is why we love this sport because it keeps us going 100% of the time. We're always thinking about it. And uh, so if that's you, 
go check out Go Wild. So I'm not going to talk too much more. Like I said, there's going to be a turkey kill video up on the YouTube channel. So go subscribe to Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. You're not going to be disappointed about that. Also, again, I'm going to tell you guys, go and check out the Facebook page at Southern Ground Hunting if you want to learn more about how to win some of these awesome turkey calls. But uh, that's enough of me. Let's get into our conversation with Mr. Drew Abel of Foot on the Head. All right, on the line now, we have Mr. Drew Abel from Foot on the Head. Is that how you say it? Is that right, Drew? Yeah, yeah, man, that's right, foot on the head. Foot on the head, not not the head, not foot on the head. It's foot on the head. That's right. All right, so you got to tell me where, 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 who came up with that name, and how did that name Okay, happen? so it's funny because a lot of people, you know, really ask, you know, we get all kinds of people asking, man, what's that about, what's that name about? Or they come up to you and they're like, man, we really love that name, you know, so you obviously know those people are turkey hunters. Um, and, and they get it because when you kill a turkey, that's the first thing that you do majority of the time is you go out there and you stand on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so honestly, um, once I kind of got to the age, the 16, where I could drive myself and hunt by myself and everything, my dad and I would send pictures back and forth to each other saying, foot on the head. Um, and later on in life, once I started to come out with calls and, and started to sell, sell some products and things like that, I was had to have a name and so i uh, i asked dad i said well what should i call it and he was like oh that's easy what do we text each other every spring you know foot on the head and i was <laughs> like you know what i kind of like it it's kind of unique um diehard turkey hunters or just really anybody that turkey hunts will understand it and get it and uh so honestly that was that was kind of it it was a really easy conversation a really easy to come up with for us i really like it too it's it's got that creative thing nobody's ever going to forget about it once you hear the name you're gonna remember it i think i heard the name a couple years ago and uh and man i've remembered it ever since then so um that's so that's cool man drew we really uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and and talking about some stuff talking about turkey hunting which a lot of the south is concentrated on i know i'm already i think i've went like three or four times and they've kicked my butt so hard that i'm already ready for the season to be over <laughs> but <laughs> But I know a lot of guys are super are super excited about the season. Some some of the uh, states haven't even started yet, um, and so people mm-hmm. are people are jonesing for that. So we really do appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited about talking about some turkey hunting with you, buddy. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having us and having me, man. I uh, always enjoy talking turkey and uh, talking about turkey hunting. I know that they can drive everybody crazy at times, and that's just. Honestly, that's part of why we love it so much is because of the, the hatred and drive that we have <laughs> that we have for the animals. Uh, but man, I just I just love it. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So speaking of the hatred and the and the drive, I don't know if it's a hatred. I wouldn't say it that. I respect <laughs> I respect the wild turkey about as much as any animal. Um, yeah, they've, they've outsmarted me more than enough times to to deserve my respect. So, um, but we're doing this giveaway through through the podcast and it's called mm-hmm. the gobble gut gobble gut not gobble gut gobble butt giveaway and <laughs> i was trying to think of a name that expressed my feelings about turkeys like yeah when i think of a turkey i really think god those things are just such buttheads 
and <laughs> gobble and butt and it, it just kind of all goes together. And and that's the cool thing about this episode is because next week this episode drops on Friday. Um, I could the, it's the first Friday in April, and um, and you guys are going to be donating some some of your gear for next week's giveaway, um, which uh-huh. is starting on Monday. So can you do this, Drew? Can you go ahead and talk about if you know already? I have we haven't talked about this. If you know what you're going to be donating already and what we're going to be giving uh-huh. away, can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, definitely. So it's going to be um, kind of a combo pack. I've got a pot call, and then I've got three of our hand-cut mouth calls. Um, so the pot call is actually bronze glass over slate. Um, and the unique thing about this call is that you can't get bronze glass anymore. Um, none of the suppliers can get a hold of it. I'm not honestly even sure if they make it anymore. But it's got a really unique sound to it. Um, it plays it plays kind of similar to crystal instead of glass. Um, so that's one thing that's really interesting about the pot call is, is that this is it. This is this is everything that we have basically left of it. Um, as far as the hand cut mouth calls go, I put a three pack together and I try to put some good variety in there of, of what our different calls will sound like. Um, I put a clear one that's usually more clear. For most people, when they run it, one that's a little bit more raspy. And then usually I put one in there um, that, that is either uh, quiet or one that cuts really well. It's kind of dependent upon who's chosen, what they would rather have. Um, okay. So we kind of go that route with it most of the time. Um, just just try to get a variety out there. That way people sure. can, uh, you know, can have some different calls when they go in the woods that sound different, you know, to imitate different turkeys. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and man, if you guys have not already heard of Foot on the Head and their gear and their calls, man, I'm telling you, just go, just go on YouTube, check out some videos of of people running them. Go follow them on Facebook. Um, go to the website. Just check those those calls out because they sound really good, um, man. And I cannot wait to give those things away. I know somebody's gonna be super pumped about it. And uh, so if you are listening to this right now on Friday when it first comes out, make sure you stop by the Southern Ground Facebook page next week, which is Monday, starting on Monday. I've been putting it out uh, somewhere between 7 and 9 o'clock in the morning. I've been putting out the post, and go and follow those rules, and you'll have a chance to win these calls. Man, I didn't, I didn't even know that about, what did you call it? It was like bronze glass? Yeah, bronze glass. Um, it's kind of honestly a thing from the past, but... It's some really good stuff. I've got this call left that's made with it, and then I've got about eight pieces left that I haven't glued up yet or anything. Um, I'm, I'm trying to come up with something special for those last eight pieces that I have. That's pretty cool, man. Well, hey, I think this is special, so <laughs> kudos on that one. Um, yeah. But, well, cool, man. So I know you told me that you're feeling a little bit under the weather right now, and uh, what did you say you had strep throat? Yeah, man, I've got strep throat. So I was actually, so I work for Department of Conservation and Natural Resources here in Alabama as a wildlife biologist. Okay. And uh, we had an, an adult mentored turkey hunt this weekend uh, down in South Alabama. So basically what we do as a department is people fill out an application. Um, then these, these people are handpicked from these applications. Uh, majority of them have never picked up a firearm, have never stepped foot in the woods to hunt an animal. Um, but have the desire to do so and, and have never really had the opportunity or had anybody teach them how to hunt. 
And uh, so we were at that hunt this weekend just south of Selma. And it was, a, let's see, I guess it was Saturday night. We were going to get up and hunt Sunday morning with our mentees. And, um, man, it was about midnight, and I woke up and just had the chills and was sweating and freezing cold and body aching. Oh, no. So as soon as I got back to Huntsville, ran to the doctor and was tested positive for strep throat. So, unfortunately, this is the wrong time of year to have strep throat. Dude. Um, because I now have to use my sick leave because I'm actually sick. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I can relate to that, though, man. My my vehicle just broke down uh, a couple days ago or about a week ago. And I, I, I talked about it um, to you. I don't think I've actually talked about it in the podcast yet. But I missed a I missed a bird last Friday. I think it was last Friday I missed a bird, the very first bird that's given me an opportunity this year. And, dude, it was one of those moments that just worked out perfectly. And uh, I, I called him in right off the roost. He came running at me, and I just missed. Well, that, that evening, my, my, uh, my vehicle broke down, so I had to get it towed to a shop. And I just got it back today, and that bird has just been haunting me, man. Like, knowing that he was there, and he was killable, and I had no way of transportation to get out there to go try to kill him. It's, uh-huh. it's been rough so i can i can understand where you're coming from man where it's like this is not the right time of year like i can go through a lot of crap as long as it starts happening around june and july like when there's nothing going on june and july yeah. is when i want to go through car problems and and all that crap because this is not the right time of year for it um, that's exactly right we get 45 days to do this and we want to chase them as much as we can during those 45 days that's that's spot on man so you said you work at the alabama department of conservation is that what you said yeah that's right yeah i'm a uh i'm a wildlife biologist I actually work in decatur alabama as a as a waterfowl guy um i, I look over swan creek and uh, mallard fox wmas um so that's kind of what i do as a day job right there okay that's awesome, man. That's so. That's just right, right up the road. Do you um do you do a whole lot with the Wheeler Wildlife Refuge? So about the only thing that we really do with Wheeler is um we'll ban some wood ducks during the summer on Wheeler, um, okay. on the north side of of um the river there. So that's about all that we do. Every now and then we'll have a little project that goes hand in hand and work with Wheeler and the guys over there, um, but really not as much as a lot of people think that we do. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, the good, <laughs> I, there's a good and bad thing about being a wildlife biologist around Wheeler. The good thing is, is there's not a whole lot of wildlife in Wheeler, so you don't really have much to worry about. Um, that's just in my, that's in my experience. I have terrible luck at Wheeler. Um, so, so, so you do a lot of this stuff with waterfowl. So I'm interested to know, man, like how was that kind of like what got you started into Turkey? Or did the turkeys lead you kind of into the direction of waterfowl stuff? No, so, so just the, the management aspect, honestly, kind of, um, you know, led me into this field. I really love habitat manipulation, um, cause and effect behind things. You know, if I plant this, if I manipulate this, how does, you know, wildlife react to it? How do they use it? How do they not use it? Um, so really, that was kind of my driving factor in, into going into this field. Um, I would say that I always thought that waterfowl um, work would be really um, special, that there would be something different about it because you get to see that reaction, you know, to the manipulation that you do so quickly. 
Right. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, during the spring and summer is when we, you know, plant our crops, um, is when we manage our ground, and then we start adding water, you know, October-ish, somewhere in there. Um, and then you see the results of it immediately after you start adding water. Whereas if you're doing work with deer or with turkeys, you're talking about when you start a deer project, you know, you're going to see results really um, three to four years down the road, if not, you know, later than that. And with right. turkeys, um, if you don't have large amounts of acreage to really manage together, uh, it's going to be kind of tough to see an impact, you know, especially on smaller acreage farms. Um so that's kind of really why I, I love waterfowl management. Honestly, didn't think that I would get the opportunity to, to do it uh, just because I wanted to be here in Huntsville where I'm from um, with family, things like that. Um, I'm fine doing other work. Um, but this opportunity presented itself. I didn't have to go to Arkansas or Missouri or somewhere like that. And so honestly, was really blessed to get this opportunity to move back home and to, to deal and manage with waterfowl day in and day out. Man, that's uh, that's really neat, and and it's really a good place for it. You know, I know um, out here in Alabama, where you're at is kind of a destination spot for waterfowlers. Um, anybody yeah, I know right. around around here, around Coleman, where I live, um, man, they're heading up heading up north around Huntsville and Decatur and those kind of areas. And so uh, that's really neat, man. I I actually did not even know that before we got on the phone this afternoon. So. Uh, so that's really cool. I knew you were working for, uh, the department of conservation, but I didn't know in full what, what all you did. So, um, man, that's really cool. Uh, and I, I can speak for, uh, outdoors men and women all over Alabama and say, thank you for what you do. Uh, that's, that's really, really neat. Um, yeah. so, so let's talk about this for a second. So we've been in Turkey season now for, about two weeks, uh, a little over two weeks in in the state of Alabama, and uh, and man, I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like I'm the only person in the whole state that hasn't killed a bird yet. Uh, <laughs> Facebook <laughs> no, and Instagram man, has, not at all. There's plenty of them. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram's kind of ruined it for everybody. It, it it doesn't leave any mystery on who's killing birds and who's not. Um, so uh, so I got to ask you, man, have you had any luck already? Yeah, man, I have. Um, I've been able to go a decent bit already, and uh, I've got to kill one. Uh, I got to call one in for my dad um, one morning and watch him shoot one. So it's, it's been a good season. We've been we've been in birds. Um, we've had a couple hunts. We haven't done done very much, um, but we've also had a couple couple really good hunts. Um, the one hunt where I got to kill one, honestly. Um, my dad has called in so many turkeys for me on open day through the years that I, I've always wanted to repay the favor, you know, to him. And we didn't get to kill one on opening day this year, but it was, um, I guess it was that Thursday after the opener, him and I had been on these turkeys, um, and they had been roosting down at the bottom. So we hunted in Jackson County, you know, it's kind of mountainous terrain up that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, we had, we had been hunting about halfway up this mountain. And uh, there have been some birds gobbling down right on the edge of this road. And honestly, every morning they gobbled, I was 99% sure that they were across this paved road. And so we had we had kind of been on some other birds about middle of the ways up in the mountain and everything. And so 
one morning we go up there, I guess it was the Tuesday morning we go up there and they're not there, but there's some birds down at the bottom again. And I'm just frustrated, you know, birds are at the bottom and we've here, we've done walked all the way up this daggum mountain, you know, and I told him, I said, well, we didn't hurt anything else. God, well, let's go down there. So we start heading that way. Well, that actually ended up being roosted on our side of the road. Everything on the other side of the paved road is, is private. We don't have permission to hunt it or anything like that. But this side of the of the road we did have permission to hunt and so we we got in there real tight on the on the bird um there was three long beards together and uh they actually pitched down the hens pitched down first and they they went right to the hens um they got on a little narrow bench and we were able to kind of get pretty decently close to them about 70 70 yards using some cover of some big rocks and stuff and um we tried to, to back call them Basically, the hens were in front going away from us, and, and we got as close as we could without being seen and tried to maybe pique one's interest enough to where he would turn around and come look, but he didn't. And so fast forward to, to Wednesday, we, did, we didn't even go. My dad was tired and didn't want to get up and go, so we skipped Wednesday. Thursday morning rolls around. We go right back down there on the mountain where the turkey's been roosted. I mean, we got there just a tad bit late. And um, I, I really didn't think that we were late, but apparently we were because we busted a hen out of the tree. <laughs> and uh, so we were like, well, obviously turkeys are here. Let's sit down and just see how it goes. And we sat down. Daylight comes up, and uh, turkeys across the valley start gobbling. And we hadn't heard anything on our side, and it was honestly been kind of odd because we had heard a good many birds on this place already. And finally, one strike up above us. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we've been up this mountain every <laughs> single day. You know, they've been at the bottom, and now we're at the bottom, and this joker's at the top. Like, and I just literally, when that turkey gobbled, and I knew exactly where he was, I just leaned back against the tree and just took a deep breath because I was already frustrated. <laughs> and, um, you know, we really didn't have much of an option. It was kind of like, well, if we want to hunt a turkey today, you know, we're, we're going to be walking up. So we, uh, we started cutting up this mountain towards this bird, and he, he flew down and was gobbling a decent bit, probably had gobbled, I don't know, 10 or 12 times. We we hadn't been calling at him or anything, just kind of slowly. You know, we walked 30 or 50 yards, and then he'd gobble. You know, we could kind of pinpoint him a little better. And Finally, we got to a spot, and um, and I, I stopped and, and looked at my dad. He was like, I think we need to wait for him to gobble. And I said, I really want to get to this next bench up to kill him. And I said, I think that's where we need to be. And he gobbled, and it was one of those. You know when they get close and you can hear that roll and that thunder in their chest and you yeah. could, you could hear that thunder. So we were like, hey, we we both knew we couldn't go any further. So we sat down and uh, I keep a, a wing with me and I just pulled it out and scratched scratched the leaves a couple of times and we had plans, you know, for my dad to kill this turkey, um, you know, because that was going to be one of my small favors in repaying him. And uh, the turkey actually came down the hill on my side of the tree and he couldn't turn. And uh, I said, you're going to have to turn to kill this turkey. And he said, I can't turn. He said, you kill him. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And so turkey got to about 30 steps, and I clucked one or two times, and he stopped, and I was able to kill him. But it was kind of unique because he didn't. we didn't call it the turkey at all except to get him to stop. We, I mean, literally, we just scratched the leaves. And huh. the time we sat down, the time we killed him was probably about three and a half minutes. Um, it didn't take him long at all. He didn't have any hands with him. He was just honestly just ready to play the game. Wow. So, so y'all, he wasn't coming to any calls that y'all had done down the hill or anything like that. It was just the scratching. Yep, just scratching the leaves, man. And you know, to me, one of the big things that I'm that I'm about is just 
you know, being realistic when I when I hunt, um, whether it's in my calling or whether it's how I walk down a road or whether it's scratching the leaves, you know, any type of realism like that that I can throw into the mix that that um, adds just an extra flavor to it is what we try to do. Sometimes it works, sometimes it helps, you know, sometimes it doesn't. But mm-hmm. I don't think that it ever hurts to add that realism in, into, you know, into your arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. I've When I think about probably the last, I don't know, man, probably the last five really good encounters I've had with, with gobblers, it's been... I would say probably the last five of them have all been not because I was calling and they were coming to a call. Um, it was mm-hmm. all just played smarter, you know, and, and and realistic. You know, the one that I missed the other day is probably the closest one. I called like twice, I think, at him mm-hmm. um, just to try to pinpoint where he was at a little bit better. And then he came just about straight to me. And then um, last year it was – it was scratching in the leaves. That's what brought that bird in. Um, I hadn't probably called in about 30 minutes, and it was in the middle of the day, and he came just kind of strolling by. Um, two years ago on opening day, I had a tom come in, and I had never even hit the call. I was sitting on the edge of a field on a hunting club I was on, and I was just uh, like breaking branches to build a little ground blind. And I sat down, and he was standing in the corner just looking for it uh-huh. and um I, so i i'm i'm on board with you man i think probably the best advice anybody's ever given me is don't call as much as you think you should and uh-huh. and that's been some pretty solid advice not that i'm a great turkey hunter but <laughs> it's it's helped me in the right. past um yeah definitely um you know any time you know and a lot of people get get hung up and been out of shape um, about, you know, being quiet when you're in the woods and walking quietly. I can't tell you how many birds that I've struck up, you know, just walking. It's not like I try to walk loud and make all kinds of noise because I don't, you know, I mean, I do try to be quiet. Um, I could probably be a little quieter than I, than I am when I walk yeah. through the woods sometimes, but I can't tell you how many birds that I've struck or maybe even had come to me or start gobbling because they hear me walking and they think that it's a hen or another turkey you know, scratching in the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think, it, you know, that that's definitely something that, that needs to, you know, that you need to be aware of when you hunt. Um, it's not always about call and there's another aspect to it as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, so you killed, you killed that bird. How was it, uh, was it pretty soon after that, that you were able to, uh, to call on the bird for your dad? Yeah, so it was actually um, six days later. We had we had gone, and he had heard this turkey. He was hunting the, the day before out out in this big field um, on one side of a river, and basically heard the bird up on the mountain on the other side of the river. And um, so the next morning, he said, "Hey, let's go, let's go to that, to that place." And we got up there, and um, we kind of had an idea on where we thought the bird would be. And uh, so we get set down in the dark and everything. And uh, it gets daylight, turkeys start gobbling again on the other side of the valley and down in the bottom off, off this property that we have. And um, and all of a sudden this bird strikes, and, and he's way far to the north, and we're kind of honestly caught off guard by it. So we, uh, I asked him, I said, what do you want to do? I said, you know, you're behind the gun. I said, we can get up and go, or we can sit here and wait, see if one's closer. And he said, let's go. 
So we kind of cut out to him, and and he gobbled honestly really, really good. I mean, there was one point where I think he gobbled. I mean, I know for a fact he gobbled at least ten times in a row on his own, just nonstop, one after the next after the next. And uh, so we got as close as we could to him on the limb, sat down. Um, we, we, there was this big oak tree that had fallen over, and we, we sat behind it. Dad propped his gun up on the tree and everything. And um, I tree up to the turkey one time. He cut me off. And a lot of times when they when they do that, when they cut me off on the limb, I'm, I'm not going to keep calling to them or anything until they hit the ground. Um, I, I see the turkey pitch. He pitched actually below us. Um, and so Dad was kind of sitting up, up the hill to my left a little bit, and the bird pitched to my right. And so I thought, oh, Lord, please don't let this turkey come in below us because I'll have to shoot it again, you know, and that's not the plan. And uh, so so I yelped a couple of times and kind of tried to throw my call, you know, up the mountain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, the turkey cut me off, and it wasn't probably three or four minutes later. He, I, I hear him spitting and drumming. Um, after I hear him drumming and stuff, it's probably another three or four minutes, and I can see his fan coming coming through the woods and everything. And I tell dad, I said, I said, get your gun ready. He's actually to the left of your gun barrel a little bit. So he gets, he gets ready and on the gun and the turkey walks up on a little point about 40 yards from us. And, um, I mean, he stands there and he, he's gobbling and then he'll blow up and strut and spit and everything. And then of course, like a turkey does, you know, after he, you know, starts strutting, he'll come out and he'll look for that hen, you know, cause the hen, you know, in nature is supposed to go to them. And, He'll look and look, and then he'll strut again, and then he'll look. And he did that for probably five or six minutes, and I was like, man, I don't think the turkey's going to come. And my dad hadn't shot yet because there was a big tree between him and the bird, and he couldn't even see it. Hmm. And so, so I just I didn't really want to do this because I was in plain view of the turkey, but I, I just lightly yelped for like two or three notes. Um, and he kind of started looking, and since my dad couldn't see him and we've hunted together for so long, he could understand why I was, why I was actually calling um, to that bird at that point in time. So since he couldn't see the bird and we were behind that big blow down tree, he started scratching the leaves again. And, um, man, that turkey could not stand it. And he put that head down and, and walked down the edge of this bench another 10 steps and came out behind this big rock. And as soon as he came out behind that rock, my dad let him have it. He was about, I think he was 32 yards and my dad shot him. Wow, man, that's that's so much fun. I I've got so many good memories like that with my dad as well. And um, how how old are you, Drew? Man, I am. I turn twenty eight next week. Okay, all right. So so me and you are pretty close to the same age. Um, so a cool story for for me is that I actually got to be with my dad when he killed his first turkey and when he killed his first deer. Um, Awesome. Yeah, and those trips were actually the, the funny thing is that was all in the same day. He killed his first turkey and his first deer during uh, the fall in uh, in Texas, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, all in the same day. And that trip, I was about seven years old, and dude, I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was like it was like where the bug actually like that's where it hit me, and yeah, and, and getting to be there with my dad when he did all those cool things and. Uh, and then, of course, him getting to be with me every single time um, or, or for all those early memories, man. Like, 
he lives in Texas still, and I live in Alabama, and I would do anything to be able to just call him up and be like, hey, let's go chase some turkeys today. Like, So that story, man, I know a lot of guys that resonates with a lot of people um, about how yeah. special those moments are like that. Um, and so, so, dude, I, I, it sounds like your turkey season is already off to a, to a pretty solid start. We still got um, – today's April 1st, man, so we still got another, what, 30 days in Alabama? Yeah, that's right. We got yeah. another 30 days, and so, man, it's – I'm expecting to see a whole lot more stories coming out uh, from your neck of the woods. Uh, it's going to be – it's going to be a good season, man. I've, I've already made up my mind that I'm not going to get to hunt as much as I usually do, but uh, I'm going to make the most of it. So, um, right. let's let's get into into the, the really good stuff. and uh, Not that that wasn't awesome, um, but let's get into the, into the stuff about, about your business, about what you're passionate about. Um, about foot on the head and and kind of w- what you're doing with that and where you see yourself going in the future. So, uh-huh. man, I'm just going to let you go. I'm just going to turn you loose. Tell me about how you started and and what you guys are doing. Yeah, man. So, so I got man. It was my freshman year of college. I had um, I had actually gone to Mississippi State. Um, not, that was not the plan, but ended up that was where the Lord had me to go, and so so I'm at, I'm in Mississippi, obviously a big turkey hunter and everything, and you know just in my free time in college, I I really picked up a lot of turkey calls and and tried to become a lot more proficient at it. My love for the sport was already there, but I wanted to be the best turkey hunter that I could be, and one of the ways that I thought I could do that is by becoming a more realistic and a better turkey caller. Um, now I could I could you know kill a turkey every now and then I wasn't the world's best still not the world's best um, but you know I thought man if I can just become more realistic in my calling if I can sound more like a turkey if I could do more of these calls you know then I probably have a better chance of killing more birds each spring and so that was kind of my goal not only that I was frustrated with calls that were on the market especially diaphragm or mouth calls because you know you buy one and man, you buy 10 more of the same one from the same company and you can't even get one that sounds similar to the first one that you bought that you love so much. And so I just thought, hey, let's learn how to make these things. And um, that way, you know, I can have quality calls. That will help me to be, you know, a better quality caller, um, you know, by having more consistency in, inside of that. And so I just honestly started researching it and looking up what I needed and uh, saved my money. I bought a the competition style press basically is what it is and started building some mouth calls just for the fun of it um you know to be a better hunter and caller one thing led to the next and, and buddies that were in the wildlife program there with me were like man why don't you build me a couple calls and you know i need a couple calls for spring and blah blah so i was building calls for them too and then their buddies were coming to me hey i need some mouth calls i need some mouth calls and Next thing I knew, uh, yeah, I'm building, you know, 500 calls a year, getting rid of them and stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe I should, you know, try to sell a few and that type of thing. And so, honestly, that's kind of how it got started. One thing just led to the next, to the next. And then I thought, well, what about some of these other calls? Like, let me start looking into building those. And that's when, when I came out with pot calls and box calls and strikers and locator calls and, and kind of all of the above. Um Honestly, I started this out as just a hobby to be a better hunter and to be a better caller and a better killer. And, um, you know, it's kind of evolved and morphed into something else, which I'm really excited about. At the end of the day, 
what I want to do is I want to provide a, a tool for for you, Parker, for anybody else out there that, that wants to go out and kill a turkey. I want to provide a tool that's going to give them an advantage in the woods. I want to give them a tool that they're confident in, that they believe in, but also a tool that they can come back to me and say, hey, you built this all for me. I want another one, and I can produce five more, you know, as close to being the exact same as I can. Now, there's always a little inconsistency with human error involved, you know. But I take a lot of time in these calls. I use the highest quality materials that I can get. Um, and that's what it's all about for me, honestly, is just being able to provide the highest quality product as far as calls go on the market. But, you know, hopefully get people more confident and, uh, in themselves while they're in the woods turkey and hopefully you know, they'll see more success in the woods because of that. So let me ask you this, Drew. So yeah. you said yeah. part of the reason why you why you started doing it is because you wanted to be um, you wanted to be better at at turkey hunting. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, I can relate to, I can relate to that. Like I feel like I am um, I'm better I'm a better outdoorsman. I'm a better deer hunter. I'm a better turkey hunter since I started doing this podcast and doing a YouTube channel. And part of that is because I'm so I'm immersing myself in, in those, in those type of conversations and those, in those groups, you know, on online and um, I'm researching things and I'm, you know, even if I'm just researching something for the podcast, I'm talking to very smart people and learning things from them over and over and over again. And, and it's just kind of, I've become like a sponge and I, and I'm getting to absorb that. So is that kind of something that happened for you with getting into the industry? Is it, it kind of indirectly just made you better just because of who you were with and the conversations you were having? Yeah, man, I, I would say so for sure. I think that, that no matter what you do in life, if you want to be good at it, if you want to be great at it, uh, then that's something that you really have to do. You have to just dive in. You have to meet everybody that you can meet. You have to read every article that you can and you just got to become fully immersed in it, like you said. And uh, not only that, but you really got to pay attention to it because you can immerse yourself in something, but if you're not trying to learn, if you're not trying to get better, then it's not really going to soak in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would definitely say that, that when I started building these calls, I started paying attention to a lot more details, that um, I started looking at things from a lot of different perspectives that I had never looked at things before. Um, and man, when that happens, that's when you, your knowledge just really starts growing and you, you, man, you understand more. And then when you understand more, that, that desire and urge to like know more keeps growing and it kind of becomes a snowball effect, honestly. Yeah, I can, I can completely relate to that, man. And I see it time and time again. Um, you know, people who are, there are definitely people who, who, you know, nobody knows them but they're killers. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people who are not a part of the industry. They're not a part of, you know, they're not, you know, like you, they're not, they're not wildlife biologists. Um, they're just people who probably work a regular nine to five and they are Mm -hmm. absolute killers. But, um, it's not because they're still doing their homework. They're still doing all of the stuff that we're talking about. It may not be in the public eye, but, um, yeah, I would almost I would challenge anybody if you want to be better, do what Drew's talking about. Immerse yourself into it, and, and and man, just watch watch how everything how everything starts to unravel and the and the things you start to learn. Um, man, it's really uh-huh. cool to hear to hear that. You know, because a lot of people, and I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to call, I'm, you know, I don't want to call anybody out or talk any names, but a lot of people who are doing what you're doing, Drew, and, and doing calls and, um, you know, kind of jumping into that industry, they are, they're doing it so they can make a quick dollar. And, um, you know, it's neat to hear of guys like yourself who, you know, it, that wasn't even a part of it starting out. It was just, hey, I just want to be better. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's honestly kind of still where we are. Um, we've had the opportunity to, you know, get in some, some outdoor stores and to sell calls there. And I try to do a handful of stores around here, you know, to honestly to support them. And I know it really helped them. It helped me, too. Um, but really, at the end of the day, I, I would rather grow organically like that, you know, and sell calls directly through me online, on Facebook, on Instagram, places like that. Um, because what that's going to do is, man, that just gives me more time, you know, to produce these calls. I'm not having to push out, you know, 20,000 calls a year to put in all these retail stores, you know. Mm-hmm. I can sell, you know, two to 3,000, 4,000 calls a year, but I can ensure that when I sell that many calls a year that they're high-quality calls and somebody's going to get something that they love. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And at the end of the day, this isn't, this isn't my day job. This isn't what I do for a living. This is a hobby that I love to do. Um, and uh, that's kind of what it's about for me, honestly. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So so coming out of your coming out of what you said your freshman year in college is when you started doing it? Um, yeah. How did that where did that go from there? Like uh, you, you kind of became the call dealer, it sounds like, around Mississippi. And uh, how did how did the rest of it kind of play out? Yeah, so I started I started everything off with just diaphragm calls, um, and kind of like I said, it was just making calls for buddies and then you know buddies of buddies and that type thing. And uh, so so once that happened and I was getting rid of so many calls a year, I was like, you know what? Let's try to make a little bit of money at this thing to cover my calls, to cover my materials, and maybe meet some cool people in the industry and that type thing and build some relationships. And uh, so after I got a pretty decent line of mouth calls established um, and I had kind of a customer base, everybody was coming back to me and was like, man, when are you going to come out with pot calls? Man, I really would like it, you know, you to come out with box calls or, you know, something else other than mouth calls. Like, when are you going to grow? And it was honestly something that I never expected that these guys just kept asking me and asking me and asking me about it. And I was like, there's obviously a demand here. There's obviously a want and a desire and a need by these people. Um, so let's look into it. And so I just started kind of doing some research, um, honestly, pretty much every night on the computer and, uh, drove some people like my roommates crazy. Cause all I talked about was turkeys and calls and <laughs> they got tired of me yelping on calls all day, every day. Um, but one thing kind of led to another, I, I got a couple box calls built, uh, got a couple pot calls built kind of perfected those a little bit, uh, perfect those pretty much every year by trying different, uh, different things with them. Uh, but that's kind of how it started. It started going. Um, and basically, man, what it looks like for here on out for the future is um, we've kind of had our same call line for the most part for the past three or four years. Um, I'll kind of release this on here, I guess. We're, we're, we're working on some R&D right now for some new calls, hot call-wise and box call-wise, to release for next year. Um, so that's something neat that we're looking into that, that um, you know, we'll hopefully release some new calls for next year. 
and, and you said uh, this is the first kinda, this is the announcement of it right is that what you just said this is the announcement of it we haven't we haven't really told a lot of people except the guys that are you know just using the calls um so so that's pretty neat we're really excited cool. about that um we're really excited about what what it's going to do for people when, when they get these calls in their hands and the, the realistic sound that these calls will produce and the ease that, that, that these calls will produce those sounds at um so yeah we're looking at that we've got a couple other products that we're looking at developing and coming out with as well uh so it's kind of again it's one of those things man that that we're all about the quality of it we're going to be the highest quality that we can be um and, and so we try to keep that in mind in everything that we do. Uh, we're not necessarily looking to pr produce stuff at just the cheapest rate, but man, we want the highest quality that we can get. That's awesome, man. That's that's really neat. Uh, I'm, I, man, I'm I'm just kind of blown away right now. Like that's pretty cool to be announcing that right here. So you guys who are listening to this, um, you need to feel special right now because. Um, I feel like this was a this is a pretty big announcement. It's a pretty pretty big deal for you guys over there, Drew. That's that's really neat. I'm excited to see all the stuff that you that you're doing in in all that. So so speaking to that though, um, it, you know, obviously you have a you have another full time job. Um, and, and did you say y'all were y'all were producing anywhere around four thousand calls a year? Is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah, so yeah, close to that number. Okay, so do you have any plans to kind of like expand that? Do you have people that are that work for you that help you out? Um, how does the future look for what you guys are doing? Yeah, so, so as far as that goes, man, like right now I'm the one I build everything. Every call that you buy from me with the foot on the head name on it is is built by me um, in my little office in this house after I get home from my day job. Wow. And it's honestly, so I've got a 19-month-old little boy at the house, um, you know, a wife here. And so it can kind of uh, create some stress, you know, sure. as far as that goes. And so with the expansion, it is something that I'm looking at is, is, is having some other guys help me. I've already got some guys right now that really help me um, with these calls. Um, my best friend growing up, uh, he runs all my social media stuff for me. So he's very influential and helps me out a whole lot with that. Um, he lives in Auburn. He sells a bunch of calls down there for me. I've got another guy that, that was actually his roommate down there and met, met Hunter Ward through through my buddy Logan. Um, Hunter just got married and moved to Huntsville, and so he helped me a lot, whether it's at, at shows like the National Wild Turkey Federation Convention in Nashville. Um, Hunter really helped me with my packaging a lot. Um, we do a couple other like small shows here in Huntsville. Um, and Hunter usually handles that, takes care of that for me. Uh, so I've got some guys, man, that really help me out all the time. I'm looking, you know, for people um, to, to kind of test the products, to kind of help me with that aspect of it a little bit that are kind of some killers. Um, but I've kind of got a little core group right now that, that's really good, that we've become really close, really good friends through this. Um, and even before that, honestly, but, but that's kind of how I'm looking at growing is these couple of other guys that really helped me out already, maybe giving them a little bit more responsibility, I guess, um, whatever you want to call it, a little bit more ownership. Um, and, but yeah, probably in the next year, uh, if not sooner than now, having somebody help me build calls because it is, uh, it's really kind of starting to grow and to take off a little bit. 
and just having a family and everything, man, I, I just have to look at that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I completely understand that. You know, I think uh, priorities are, are everything, and uh, I don't know – I don't know if you're anything like me. So um, this kind of my side hustle doing the Southern Ground podcast and the YouTube channel and stuff. It's very convenient, even though it is a side hustle. It's convenient because it is something that I truly love to do, which is be outside <laughs> chasing animals around, fishing, hunting, doing whatever, talking about it. Um, but it does cause tension because it is my hobby. It is what I love, but it's also a side hustle. And so it helps. <laughs> Um, but it's hard to explain to people like, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, last week or Saturday was the opening day of turkey season for the public land that I hunt most of the time. And, uh, a buddy of mine was getting married that same day. And, uh, well, needless to say, I wasn't there. I did not go to the wedding. Um, right. Because, you know, well, you understand it. I don't, I'm not I'm not telling somebody who doesn't understand. Probably most guys listening to this understand it. But um, it, it's hard to justify, hey, I'm going to th- this is part of this is part of a job that I that I'm trying to create. And I'm trying to have for myself. It's not just going out in the woods and hunting. It is to create content. And so uh, I totally understand. I can imagine it's probably the same for you, man, with uh, with building calls and doing that kind of stuff. Um, so. It is, man. It is. You know, at some point, somewhere, you've got you're going to cross a bridge that's called sacrifice, yeah. and you you've got to look at it and you got to say, hey, is it worth it or is it not worth it? You know, and, and that's a decision that's solely based up to you. And and with this sport of turkey hunting, it is so consuming. Something has got to sacrifice most of the time, and a lot of people joke about it, but it's sleep, it's friendships, like you just said, it's work it's other things and you've got to look at that and say hey is this something that is worth it or is it not worth it you know and for every turkey hunter out there that that's kind of part of the game honestly yep and i get that way during deer season man i know turkey hunters though dude i'm telling you they're just a different they're a different breed people who are hardcore about turkeys man they they love them some turkeys i don't know that any deer hunter can compete <laughs> that's right man they're, they are very, very hardcore, and I can't tell you how many guys that I know that, I mean, they hunt every single day of the season, every single day. I'm not one of those guys. I'm I'm hardcore, but I don't hunt every single day. Um, I do hunt a lot, but I don't hunt every single day, you know, but yeah. there's a lot of turkey hunters out there like that. There's not a lot of deer hunters. Now, granted, they got, what, a 90-day season, you know, to go deer hunt, so that's oh, pretty, yeah. you know, or heck, even longer than that, you know, 120 oh, yeah. in some, some states. Alabama's man, it's it it seems like deer season goes on forever. But I'll tell you what, man, if I could hunt every day of turkey season, I probably would do it. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. They like we've talked about before, they piss me off, man. I can't stand them most of the time, but <laughs> golly, it's the 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 feeling that you get. I was talking to my buddy Adam Cruz on the last our very last episode and I said this sport of turkey hunting is the most frustrating but the most satisfying thing that probably exists yeah um yeah because man when you can when you can drop one there's not a lot of feelings like that um it's it's so much fun i love it so it it is man so fun and and just like you said that that feeling that you get i mean because most of the time to kill one and every now and then you have years where where 
you know, it's just like you can't do anything wrong and you kill you kill your five turkeys if you're in Alabama fast or however many you're at whether in whatever state that you're in. Um, but majority of the time, you work extremely hard and put in a lot of hours, a lot of sweat, and a lot of miles on a pair of boots in order to kill that turkey. So when it all comes together, it is so, so worth it. It is. It is, man. I remember one year in Georgia, I killed I killed one Jake, and I, I freaking turkey. This was my first year hunting Easterns. Um, yeah. And, and I killed one Jake. Dude, you thought I killed a 150-inch buck. It was insane. <laughs> I was so jacked up. It was towards the end of the season. I thought I wasn't going to get one, and I made it happen, dude. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. It was. I told I told my dad at the time. I was like, I don't know that there's any deer that I've ever killed that will compete with this feeling right now. Like this is yeah, ultra satisfying. <laughs> but it doesn't take long for that to run out, <laughs> and you're like, I got to get back in That's the woods right. and chase them again. <laughs> That's right. I killed that one on that Thursday, and I tell you what, I am chomping at the bit to pull that trigger again. Yep, I understand. So, so speaking of that, you know, speaking of of you know, I'm, I'm talking about my first Eastern and and things like that. Man, there were so many things, you know, going in into that season that I wish I would have known. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, how long have you been turkey hunting? Pretty much your whole life. Man, I killed my first one when I was seven years old, so I'm 27 now. So I've been turkey hunting for 20 years. Okay, so 20 years. Like, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, 20 years. You don't, you, you probably, there's probably not a lot of your life that you remember that you weren't chasing turkeys around. Um, that's and, right. And it sounds like you had a, it sounds like you have a, have a dad that kind of really knew how to teach you how to do it. Because he probably grew mm-hmm. up doing it. Is that right? He learned when he was in college, uh, so he had been doing it for a while. Okay. Uh, before I came around, um, his dad didn't turkey hunt, but his dad did start to turkey hunt once when he kind of got into it. Yeah. So my dad, my dad, he's a he's a he's a great hunter. He's not, you know, it, it's nothing like that. But like I said, we were raised in Texas, and so I I, I was kind of left to figure out easterns on my own um, after I was already out of the house. And there were so many things, dude, that I just I wish I would have known. And and I think about it now. And I feel like I would have killed so many more turkeys if I would have known some of these things. So, so I told you before that, that we were going to do, uh, I was going to give you one question, and that is what is one thing you would tell a brand-new turkey hunter? But I'm going to ask you, if you will, if we can just extend that a little bit, can you tell me two things that you would tell a brand-new turkey hunter? Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things, and, and I dealt with this this weekend with this mentor turkey hunt that we put on, and um, gosh, there's so many things that you want to tell somebody, you know, especially somebody that's getting into a sport like this that's very hard to learn on your own, because um, at the reality of it, that's what it is. Like, trying to learn the sport of turkey hunting and the art of turkey hunting is really, really tough unless you have a mentor. Yeah. Um, and if you just narrow it down to one or two things, gosh, that's so hard to do. But I would say for me, a lot of people ask, and, and I'll be honest, I don't kill a lot of turkeys a year as compared to a lot of people. You know, I kill a handful of birds a year. Um, but as compared to my friends, I kill more than them, it seems like. <laughs> and one of the questions that they ask me is, how do you kill so many turkeys? And a lot of times when I look at how they hunt or I talk to them on the phone and I'm like, hey, man, did you go this morning? They're like, no, it was raining. No, it was windy. Like, no, it was kind of cold. And I'm like, man, like, you are missing opportunities to hunt. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've probably killed just as many turkeys in the rain as I have the sunshine. Wow. And it's kind of one of those things. The more times that you go, the more opportunity that you're going to have to kill, to kill a turkey and to learn something. Um, so honestly, that's going to be my first piece of advice. It's to hunt as much as you can, as often as you can, every single day, if you can, regardless of the weather, regardless of the conditions. Like, turkeys are turkeys. They're out there. They're doing their thing. And if you go, you're going to have an opportunity to kill one at some point in time. Um, So don't get discouraged if it's raining. Don't get discouraged if it's cold. Don't get discouraged if it's 90 degrees for some reason on April. April. Like, just get out there and go and give yourself that chance because I promise you, like, you're not going to regret it at the end of the day. You're not going to come back and say, dang, I wish I didn't go. Because at the least, like, you got out in nature, you enjoyed it, you know, you hiked around a little bit, and you probably learned something new. Yeah. Um, So that's going to be my first piece of advice. I love that. That's good. The second piece is kind of hard to say, honestly. Because, like I said just a minute ago, there's so many different things. Um, gosh. I would say the second piece of advice is honestly turkeys work on turkey time. Um, and I read this in an article or a book or somewhere a long time ago. But turkeys do. Like, they don't have a watch on their on their hand saying, hey, we got to be here by 1230. You know, mm-hmm. or we got to be back up on this bench by 5 o'clock this evening. Uh, turkeys work on turkey time, and so patience is a key to killing them. Um, and one thing that I've learned within that patience is it is it may not necessarily mean sitting there all day long waiting for that turkey to break from where it's at. Patience may be evaluating the situation, saying, hey, this turkey's got six hands with him right now. He's going down this bench to the north, right? These woods are really, really open. And I don't have a lot of cover, so I'm going to have to do a big loop, but I've only got an hour to hunt, you know, before i got to get to work or something. So instead of pushing the limits and maybe bumping that turkey, you know, and spooking him, and basically what you're doing is educating that turkey. Patience is going to be, to me, being able to look at that situation and saying, hey, I'm not going to push the limits today. I'm not going to spook him. I'm not going to educate him. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And I'm going to try him again because he's most likely going to be pretty close to this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so patience is a lot more than just, you know, you know, sitting there all day long, not moving, that type of thing. Um, but turkeys work on turkey time, man. And, and, and being out there in the field is going to give you a good opportunity, being patient with them, you know. And like I said, sometimes it is, you know, maybe sitting there for an hour longer than you normally would or – Maybe you've got trail camera pictures of a turkey in this area every day at the same time, and, you know, he, he hasn't shown for some reason that day, and you say, hey, I need to sit one more hour, or I need to sit 30 more minutes. Um, but just being patient with them. Don't push the limit. Don't educate them, because this, the moment that you start educating a turkey and putting that pressure, per se, on them is the moment that they start to realize that their gobbling is attracting not only hens, but other things, mm-hmm. you know, other things out there as well, you know, things being us, you know, <laughs> things yeah. trying to kill them, yeah. basically. And, uh, man, when you start educating them, when you start spooking them, they become extremely hard to kill. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to that, I'm going to go ahead and say that they become extremely hard to kill as soon as they're born. And then if you educate them, they're almost impossible to kill. 
<laughs> in my experience, anyway. That's, that's very true. In my experience, yeah. that's it. That's so, very- well, dude, that's uh, that's really good stuff. So, if you guys, if y'all are new to turkey hunting, I can't tell you, Drew, how many times, how many people I've talked to this year, who have told me they're going to start turkey hunting this year. Actually, my two, the two guys that co-host with me, Michael Pike and Tyler Malone, have both never really been into turkey hunting. And, and they started this year. There's so many people out there that are that are new to this. So if you're listening to this and you're new to it, man, take these things that Drew's talked about here right towards the end of this podcast and, and put it to work. I can, I can tell you the very most important lesson I learned is exactly what Drew just talked about. It, don't wait for perfect conditions. You're wasting opportunities every single time. And that's something that um, is a little bit different, Drew, than than deer. You know, so many times you hear like, "Don't go in unless the conditions are perfect," and and a lot mm-hmm. of people do believe that. I don't believe that fully, but a lot of people do that. They're not going to go in unless the wind is right, the weather's right, the barometric pressure's right. That that's just kind of how a lot of people hunt. But with turkeys, mm-hmm. man, I cannot tell you. Same thing. How many times I've seen birds in the rain, in the high winds in overcast, in hot, in cold, all that stuff, turkey's, turkey's going to do what a turkey's going to do. And and mm-hmm. it's up to us to be out there. So I think, man, that's such a good thing to end on. That's that's uh, that's probably the most important lesson that I've ever, ever learned. So, all right, Drew, we are getting close to time uh, to wrap this thing up. But is there anything else that you wanted to, that you wanted to mention, anything you want to talk about uh, to end this podcast? Man, I would just say as far as like the calls go, um, mouth calls go, everybody's different. Everybody runs air across those reeds a little bit different. So so try try everything until you find what you like as far as cuts or combos, latex combinations, things like that. Um, but don't be afraid to try new stuff as far as calling goes um, or that type of thing. Just, just, you know, pick it up, learn it, especially if you're new at it. Um, you know, really dig into it, and, and the more that you do it, the more you'll gain experience at it. Honestly. So, where could uh, where could somebody go to find out more information on on y'all's calls and on foot on the head and everything like that? Yeah, so we've got an Instagram page where we post a lot of stuff. We're actually running a photo contest this spring, um, so so all of the details are, are on Instagram and on Facebook for that. We've got a Facebook page. We've got our website, putontheheads.com, so you can check all the products out there. Man, if you've got any questions, people can reach out to me via Facebook, um, via website, um, any of those channels right there I can be reached on. Um, I kind of run over this real quick, but a lot of people ask me, hey, what's your best-selling call? What, what do you recommend um, call-wise? I'll tell you the calls that I keep in my vest um, that I hunt with. Um, I Mouth call wise, I keep a two reed bat wing call in my vest. I've got three or four of them in there actually. It's called the Legend. That's what I sell it under the name of it on my website. That call is the Legend. Okay. I also yelp on a call that we have called the Trinity. It's a three reed bat wing call. Um, and then I've got a call that's called Hooked. Um, it's also a three reed bat wing call with a different stretch and a different combination of latex on it. Um, out of all those calls, the, the Legend is my absolute favorite. Out of all the calls that I sell, my best-selling call is called the Samson. It's a, it's a just a split V three recall. It's by far the absolute most raspy call that I sell, which a lot of people really like a raspy old hen. Um, and so that's going to be that call. As far as pot calls go, I run an aluminum surface 
that's over a glass downboard. That's my favorite pot call out there. And then my second favorite, a ceramic over glass. Um, those calls are kind of opposite. The, the aluminum is real loud, real raspy, kind of like a shrill sound to it. The ceramic is a lot like slate. It grabs really well. It's real grippy, so you can get that soft tree talk on it, those real soft firs and clucks, tree yelp, things like that. Um, but it'll also reach out there, and it has a piercing high-pitched yelp to it. Um, so that so they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, which is why I keep them in my vest. And then I've got a walnut box with yellow hard inlays, and then in my vest, it's kind of a medium, medium, medium road call. I, um, it's not real raspy, but it's not real clear. You get kind of the best of both worlds type thing. So that's kind of what I keep in my vest. Some of our best sellers go as far as mouth calls go, so I hope that that really helps. Yeah, man, that's that's actually actually pretty perfect. That was that was in depth and. Uh... Man, so if you guys are interested, go check out Foot on the Head. These guys do some really cool stuff. Drew's putting together some awesome, awesome products. And like we said before, next week, starting on Monday, we're going to be giving away uh, the, this this package. And it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is bronze glass. Is that, is that right? Uh, yeah, bronze glass over slate. So, so this is going to be a really cool. It's going to be a really cool call. So somebody's going to be. Somebody's going to be lucky to get it. Um, Drew, man, yeah. I cannot tell you thanks enough for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversation, um, and and I know our listeners are going to enjoy that as well. Yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a pleasure to be able to talk turkey hunting with you and to talk about the calls and everything. And, again, I just really appreciate you asking me to be on. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll have to do it again sometime. All right. Sounds good, Parker. All right, buddy. You, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, a big huge thanks to Mr. Drew Abel from Foot on the Head. We really enjoyed that conversation, and I uh, hope you guys did too. Um, as Drew talked about, we're doing a giveaway. We're giving away uh, next week. We're going to be giving away some cool stuff from Foot on the Head. So go and check out their website. I think you're I think you're going to like what you see. If you're into turkey hunting um, and you like a good solid turkey call, go and check check them out at Foot on the Head. And uh, and man, you have a chance to win some really cool stuff from them next week on the Southern Ground Facebook page. So go and do that. It's going to be super easy. The The rules are not, it's not big, long rules or anything. It's not a whole lot of stuff that you have to do. Um, but go check that out. You can win something from Foot on the Head as well as something from all the other companies that have been, uh, that, that we're partnering with for this Gobblebutt giveaway. Um, it's it's a really cool thing. And I'm actually, I'm actually really um impressed with these companies that have been willing to send us really good stuff they're not just sending us they're not sending us crap they're sending us really good stuff last week we gave away like a hundred dollar woodhaven pot call and uh and it's just been really really cool to talk to these companies talk to the representatives and uh i don't think you'll be disappointed the worst thing that can happen is you could not win but you still get to follow the southern ground facebook page and see all the cool stuff that we're doing so uh, speaking of cool stuff, we've got a video coming up, like I've already mentioned, video coming up of the bird that I killed yesterday, and uh, it'll be on the YouTube channel. That is the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Go check that out. We've got some some cool content already on there, as well as um, we just added another contributor to the Sportsman's Nation on the podcast network and on the YouTube channel, and that's Hybrid Outdoors. Now, Bob is a, uh, a native of Michigan. He lives in northern Michigan, so... 
we've actually got Northern Michigan, which is like one of the highest points in the U.S., and then we've got Dan in Iowa in the Midwest, and then you've got us in Alabama hunting all over the South. So you really have a very broad spectrum of content that you can you can get on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. So go and check that out. Subscribe, uh, like our videos, share our videos, let people know what we're doing. Um, yeah, that's that's about all I got. As always, big huge shout out to our partners at Onyx, at Tethered, at New Breed Archery, and at Go Wild. Check out those companies. We believe in them. We believe what they do. They do really good things. Uh, so we would we would love it if you would support those companies. Now, with New Breed Archery, you can now receive $50 off of your bow if you tell them, if you use the code Southern Ground Hunting. That's all you got to do. You can get $50 off of your bow purchase. And we're about at the time of year when you need to start looking at your new gear getting new um, new equipment if that's what you're looking for and I highly recommend New Breed Archery for your next bow purchase so you guys have a great week um, remember God gave us dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beast of the earth so go out and exercise that dominion we will talk to you next time <laughs>